Welcome to the Songwriter Connection Podcast, where we look at the craft of songwriting through the eyes of a songwriter. Each week, we make a connection with a music maker, listen to their songs, and hear their stories. From Nashville, Tennessee, here's your host, Dave Lenahan. Well, this is uh, season three and episode 26, and as we've mentioned on on uh, previous podcasts uh, this season, we're just going to keep it going. You know? I mean, we usually did like first uh, first two seasons, we were 20, 21 episodes, but season three has been so magical. We've had so many great guests, and I just decided to keep it going. We'll be like episodic from here on in, if that's a word, rather than season. So uh, actually, this is overall our 69th podcast, which is amazing and you've made it really grow and i want to thank you for that and we have an amazing guest today really i'm excited very excited very proud to have him and it'll introduce you to him in just a little bit when i want to thank mark allen barnett tours because they are our local sponsor and i had a chance to play with mark again last night he's an amazing performer and songwriter and his tours is all about getting you up to the next level I mean, advanced yourself um, you know, three to five years with just one tour with Mark Allen and Barnett. And there are a lot of tours when you come to Nashville. But if you're a songwriter and you want to know more about the biz, there's the guy to, to, to get with. Um, Mark uh, will, will, will write songs with you, introduce you to people in the business, get you up performing. He's worked with me a lot on my performance because, as I've said in past podcasts, I was behind a microphone my whole career, not in front of people with a microphone and a guitar. And so he's helped me bring it to the stage. And, and even last night when we played together, he was giving me pointers. And we're going to get together and, and, and work on it even more. So you can't learn too much, right? You cannot. So you'll find Mark Allen Barnett Tours. Uh, Mark is M-A-R-C. Allen is A-L-A-N. And Barnett is E-T-T-E on the end. Just just go to his website. And if you go to our Facebook page um, on the Songwriter Connection podcast, he's got a little video, if you look for it, that talks a little bit more about what he does right there. I'm going to say it was a fantastic week. I mean, last night, uh, we, we had gotten back from uh, the Songwriter Festival in Gatlinburg on Sunday. And then yesterday, we're, we're taping this, by the way, August the 23rd uh, for a September release. And uh, the Songwriter Fest was my first, and it was absolutely amazing. Again, Mark was there showing us around, but a lot of big songwriters uh, that we got to uh, to network with. Even Larry Gatlin was there uh, performing and jammed uh, on the porch of the Gatlinburg Inn late on Saturday night. So magical things like that happened. And then Monday... It was a cool thing here in Nashville. It was, it was my birthday, so I played around at the Commodore Lounge, which we've talked about in the past, which is a great place for songwriters, especially songwriters just starting out. But they get a lot of pros that, that play there as well. So it was my birthday round. Got to play with Billy Lee, who wrote Gary Allen's uh, big number one hit, The One, and uh, the guru, uh, Dave Isaacs, who's been on the show, one of the best guitar players and teachers here in this town. And just had a wonderful time. Debbie Champion, who runs that thing, baked me a cake. I couldn't believe it. It was great. And my favorite, Strawberry. That's amazing. Uh, and then we went over to the 12 Keys here in Hermitage, where I run a, a, a little songwriter night. And again, Mark Allen made this happen. He invited Randy Brooks, who wrote, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. I mean, we decided, he decided it was, it was Christmas in August and it was, it was crazy. This is the first time ever that my birthday fell on Christmas and it was so much fun. I got to tell you, we just had a blast. So, uh, those are the kind of things that happen in Nashville. I just, I wanted to mention that on the podcast before I introduced my guest who we are just thrilled to have. His songs will amaze you. In fact, he even wrote 
<laughs> he wrote a song pretty close to that. Um, it's Chuck Jones. Chuck, thanks for your time. Big, big hit writer. And I, I just wanted to just, to, just to introduce you, over 140 cuts, big number ones, uh, top tens, songs like Your Love Amazes Me by John Barry and many others too. Uh, number one songs like uh, Diamond Rio's uh, live a little, love a little stronger. stronger. We well, kind of try to have to sing it before I come up with that one. And, and many diverse cuts. I mean, people like uh, Patty Labelle, uh, the fabulous Slenderbridge, Charlie Daniels, uh, Peter Satira, Chicago. Yeah, yeah, oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. I mean, all kinds of big. Yeah, writers. That was a fun one there. Yeah, yeah. some history there. And not only are you a great yeah. songwriter, but you're a great guitar player. Oh, you're too kind, man. You're too kind. No, you're too kind. It was on your web, but you've got, you've got a YouTube channel. I do. Yes, Chuck Jones Music on YouTube. You need to check it out because not only some great songs, but, you know, some instruction, too. Yeah, know? I do some guitar tutorials. Um, I actually have it. You have to go back a year or two to, to find one, but I had a series I was starting to do called Evolution of a Song. Oh, yeah. Which um, I was writing live with uh, my buddy Chuck Cannon for one of those songs. Uh-huh. Uh, Love Chuck Cannon. Another episode I was writing with uh, uh, Robert Counts, who was an artist on the Sony Music for a while, and his producer, Jimmy Ritchie, who's an old buddy. Jimmy Ritchie. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, but, I, but mostly I'm gravitating towards guitar. Uh, I'm a huge blues guitar fan. I grew uh-huh. up in Memphis, and so before I started writing songs, I was playing guitar in bands over there, and uh, I was in my well, 30s before I came over here to start writing songs for a living. So. They say you can take the boy out of Memphis, but you can't take Memphis out of the boy. That's right. Is that That's true? Right. That's what I say. I think I say that, said that somewhere. But You've yeah. said that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to find out if that's true. Um you know, we had John Barry on this show. Uh, it was oh, yeah. uh, season three, episode four. If you haven't heard that, go back. And um, one of my favorite songs by John, I mean, there's so many, but um, when when we talked about it, um, Ken Blasey was on the show as a songwriter Hall of Famer, and we talked about these drive-off-the-road songs, as he calls them. And I, am at, I right away when he said that, I pictured myself driving through this rural uh, little, little rural highway, at, uh, Route 60 in Kentucky, um, and... Uh, that song came on the radio. It was the first time I heard it. Oh, is that right? Yeah, wow. and and I was like, "Wow, drive off the road." I mean, what I said to John was, "I mean, <clears throat> I said, you know, the lines in that song are incredible, and the one that really hit me was the moon and all its phases." Oh well, thank you. I'll, I'll claim that. One. Will you claim that? <laughs> and I said to John, "I said, who writes like that?" And this is what he said: yeah, Chuck Jones and Amanda Hunt Taylor wrote that song. Mm-hmm. And the first time I heard. Uh, that song it was on a, a disc of maybe 10 or 15 of Chuck Jones songs. Mm-hmm. I recorded a handful off that. Yeah. Out of, out of that collection. And But when I first heard Your Love Amazes Me, I said, thank you. I'll take that one. <laughs> Just a great piece of music. It really isn't. And I guess what happened was he wanted to record it. He'd been playing it, it uh, down around Atlanta where he came from. And um, he said, uh, not Atlanta. It was uh, Athens, Georgia. Athens, Georgia. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Athens, Athens, Georgia. Great music. Capital, but anyway, he was saying that he wanted it, but Tanya Tucker had it on hold. Yes, actually, Tanya Tucker recorded it before anybody did, but it did not make her record for yeah. some reason. Uh, I don't. He rejoiced to me. when they saw that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> said, yeah, and it also was cut around the same time he recorded it by uh, producer Josh Leo on um, a cat from Memphis, Andy Childs, who huh. had a record deal on RCA at the time. I think. Wow. Or CBS, maybe. I can't remember where Andy was at. But it was an up-tempo version, believe yeah. it or not. But John's the first one that made it to market with it, as they say. 
And uh, I said earlier, I said I'll claim that line. You know, I, I'll claim several lines in that song. But I will say also that that, that that whole song was Amanda Hunt Taylor's idea. Was it her idea? Yeah, it was her idea. She brought that to me and I said, yeah, mm-hmm. let's write that. And you know, that that's the that's that's 90% of every song for me is the idea. Man. Yeah. And we've talked about that. A lot of different ways to write a song. That's right. But, that's right. But I, real I like to come from a title, though. I like yeah. to come from a title. Do you like title. to come from a title? I do. I don't always do it, but, you know. Have you ever written a song where you didn't quite know what the title was going to be? You, oh, sure. You start sure. writing and then eventually you find it? Well, you know, I, I, I mentioned earlier to you about my co-writing these days with military veterans uh, yeah. through Operation Song mm-hmm. here in Nashville. And uh, a lot of times these days uh, over a Zoom with... Uh, a partner of theirs that's uh, the SHARE initiative at the Shepherd Center in Atlanta. Wow. And um, and so a lot of times we'll write those songs on Zoom, and we got two-hour time span to write it in, you know. Yeah, well, that's a short Because we're on too. Zoom, and, we got, and they're there with their psychologist down there, you know, mm. or the therapist. That's great. Um, who's a big help, Katie. Mm. And uh, and so, so you know, um, a lot of times what she'll do is send me a prep sheet before the Zoom session. Mm-hmm. And... It's the questions that they ask the um, the veteran, you know, like what what kind of music do you like? Everything from that, uh, your favorite song, favorite bands, kind of music genres, you know, and um, and then it goes on to say what you know, where did, what did you serve in, what branch of the military, what is, what's your background, your family, mm-hmm. you know, what made you want to serve, and it goes on and on and on. Yeah. And so I'll study up on that, and a lot of times I'll um, I'll have like their favorite song dialed up on YouTube and get a you know get like a, a drum track that kind of. Wow. It's something like, or genre-wise, something that I know they'll they like that style, you know. But most of the time, when I go into those sessions, I don't have a title with these guys, no. and we got two hours to write a song, and so I've asked. But I do have all of these this information from them, so I'll go through and redline things yeah. they say that sound song worthy, you know. And some of them are off the charts, man. Like I just wrote a song with this cat. And, he was from East Kentucky and grew up on a tobacco farm, and he yeah. had all kinds of little colloquial colloquialisms, if I if I can. I love anyway, them. so you know, eventually I'll we'll pull some kind of um, a title from what they say. Hopefully, you know. Yeah. Another one was like uh, he wanted to be a minister, and wound up becoming a chaplain in the service, and so we ended up writing a song. Ended up writing with a song with him called "Only Faith." Oh wow! Gives me hope. <laughs> Only faith gives me hope. It's incredible work you do, and it's got to be so satisfying, and mm. you know, um, yeah, it truly is, man. To, and these these veterans, you can see it uh, in their, you know, you can hear it in their voice by the end of the session how much it means to them. It really does because that's the first time anybody's ever. And well, I've had, we've had, you know, veterans tell us this through the years since my buddy Bob Regan started Operation Song fourteen years ago or something. It might have been ten years ago, but. Um, you know, it's it's like they always say it's it's the best therapy they ever had. You know, it really is because you go inside their feelings and emotions, and a lot of times they want to write about some experience they had in the service, and sometimes mm-hmm. they won't. You know, sometimes yeah. they want to write about something totally different. So, but uh, you try to make it mean something to them. Yeah, you try to make sure that their imprimatur is on the song. You know, and um, anyway, and incredible work. It's it's. Uh, it's it's it is fulfilling and satisfying. I have to say, it surely is. Yeah, it has to be. You know, we love to do music live around this dining room table. The old Duncan Fife has become part of this podcast, and you brought a guitar, and I know you're a great player, so maybe you can uh, play a song for us. <laughs> sure, you bet, man. I'll start out with my my first hit on John Barry. Okay, now, this was not my first hit. That was a Billy Dean song, but 
Uh, this is the, the one you brought up earlier. Your love amazes me. I wrote with uh, Amanda, Tun, uh, Amanda Hunt Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. I did tune this. <laughs> then I put a capo on it. I put a capo on it, yeah. It's close okay. enough for country. I think it is. Seven wonders of the world. I've seen the beauty of diamonds and pearls, but they ain't nothing, baby. Your love amazes me. I've seen a sunset that will make you cry. Colors of a rainbow reaching across the sky, the moon and all its phases, but your love amazes me. Don't you ever doubt this love of mine? You're the only one for me. Give me hope, you give me reason Give me something to believe in Forever faithfully Your love amazes me I prayed for miracles And Lord, they never came Got down on my knees Out in that pouring rain but only you could save me Your love amazes me Don't you ever doubt this love of mine You're the only one for me you Give me hope, give me reason Give me something to believe in Forever faithfully Your love amazes me Yes it does Your love, your love, your love, your love Your love amazes me it's incredible. Something like it. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be the name of my new CD. Something like that? Or something like that. <laughs> Is that right? It comes from an old uh, recording session. We were doing a work tape, and the co-writer at the end goes, or something like that. And yeah. It. And, and now, after every work tape that we make, it's or something mm. like that. But no, I think it's exactly like that. And I'm not slighting John Barry in any manner, because oh, he's one don't. of my favorite singers <laughs> and one of the best voices in country music. But No doubt. But... I just love to hear the songwriter uh, interpret the song and play oh, just like I you did. I appreciate it. That was incredible. It. Thank you. 
Well, I've yeah. had 20, uh, 28 <laughs> years or so to hone that one down. <laughs> to hone that one down, yeah. I think by now you, you got that down pretty well. Yeah. So where did it all start for you, Jake? Where did it all start for yeah. me? Oh, man. It started Memphis, from, did you, I mean, seriously. Well, I was a, I was a, a toddler in rural <laughs> Arkansas about an hour west of Memphis. Okay. And my daddy was a, a Southern Baptist preacher at the time. My mama played piano. And they had this little bitty church that was, I don't know, about half as big as your house here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And uh, and that's the first time I really fell in love, you know, with a guitar. There was one dude in the neighborhood who'd bring an electric guitar to church occasionally. My mom played piano, of course. and So I kind of grew up in a musical family. My dad had a real, um, a really good baritone singing voice, you know, wow. baritone to tenor. And... Uh, so anyhow, uh, but you know, I was four when we moved to Memphis. Were you? Grew, okay. grew up there in the '60s through all the civil rights, yeah, uh, mayhem, and, and and you know, and all the great stuff on radio back then. Oh, man. yeah. I mean, you're, you looked a little bit younger than me, probably, but I was born in '55, so um, not too far off. I'm younger than I look. You but, are. <laughs> yes, you are. Man. <laughs> I'm sorry, I meant to say I'm older than I look. But <laughs> oh yeah, why well, do you mean totally backwards? But <laughs> but I grew up in the days. Of, I heard you what know, you meant. You, know. you heard what I meant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you, on the same radio channel in Memphis, you could hear. You know, you could hear. Oh. Uh, you could hear uh, the Beatles song. A Beatles song. Then you could hear a you know an Al Green song after that. And yeah. You could hear Ray Charles, and then they turn turn. Yeah, and then they turn around and you know and play something bubblegum after that. In other words, it wasn't. <laughs> The genres weren't defined like they are these days. It's yeah. not like a country radio. Well, they did have country radio stations, mostly AM back then, but the FM pop stations, mm-hmm. they played everything. We know. called it AOR all over the road. All over the road, exactly. <laughs> the yeah, road. exactly. But I mean, it was it was it was beautiful because you weren't well, you weren't locked into one box on the stuff. Yeah. If, if your mom or your dad had a favorite radio channel, you weren't just hearing one thing all day long. They played everything. Yeah, they played everything, and that's good. So my yeah. first exper- exposure to a radio was um, in the car. My dad had a 57 Chevrolet. Ooh, my mom eventually drove off of her bridge into a creek. But, <laughs> but she was okay? <laughs> she was okay. Yeah, yeah. I think a couple of my brothers were in the car with her. But, but anyway, yeah, she she survived. But they did good. too. Good. <laughs> but I, the first thing I remember on that radio, um, I saw first place i ever heard elvis presley's wow. hound dog and the first place i ever heard the everly brothers oh man you know wow so you know and i grew up in memphis with uh, all the stacks recordings sure you know and uh, booker t and mg's being the band behind yeah. everybody yeah. from otis redding to you know you name it and uh steve cropper <laughs> steve cropper yeah. yeah him and duck dunn on bass mm-hmm. um you know wow. um those are your influences right there Absolutely, and that, and you know, of course, Elvis recorded all of his stuff in Memphis, starting out at Sun, Sun Studios, Sun. and yeah. and then later with Chips Moman, yeah, at um, uh, American Studios, and then you had High Studios, you had it was a, kind of a studio mecca in the '60s, sure, kind of like Muscle Shoals was, and kind of like. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, where you had Fame Studios down there. Yeah, love that. Toured that not too long. I have too. Yeah, isn't that incredible? Yeah, uh, Sam yeah. Phillips. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, his son, Bo, I think, Phillips, right? Yeah, I've met him down there. He used to do a thing where he'd bring songwriters down there to play the Holiday Inn. Oh, cool. Yeah, he sent a limo up here for you. Yeah. Now, that is amazing. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, and now they've got the Muscle Shoals, uh, Shoals Songwriter Fest, uh, which happens in November. Is that right? I yeah. have no idea. I haven't been down there in years. Yeah, but, yeah. 
But anyway, growing up in Memphis was definitely a formative. You know, I grew up during the 60s and, mm-hmm. and the 70s. I graduated high school in 74. But in the 60s, going through, you know, all the Martin Luther King stuff happening oh, yeah. there, the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, a lot of history. A lot of, a lot of history there. Yeah. History. Well, and, and that diverse musical influence there, uh, too. Very interesting. Um, and I think, you know, you talk about the year that you graduated. I graduated in 75. So, oh, well, we're uh, just a year apart. Man. Just a year yeah. apart. Um, but I went a little early. <laughs> you know? um, but, but I think we had the best music. I really do. I mean, yeah. looking back, somebody had a T-shirt uh, done at the Gatlinburg Festival that I just loved. Uh, it said, uh, it may be old, but we saw the best bands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, yes, I want that shirt. And the 70s <clears> is where it transitioned from, of course, uh, single radio to mm-hmm. a album. Yeah. album-oriented Yeah. Yeah. Radio, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm going to ask you a question earlier. You sure. said you saw Larry Gatlinburg and yeah. Gatlin and Gatlinburg. Yeah. Gatlinburg. I was just curious. Did it ever come up? Is it named for his family or something? I never even thought about that. I never I, put I those thought, two together. I thought about that too. <laughs> you should have asked him. I don't are you think from so. Here? You don't think so? They're from Texas, aren't they? Yeah, they're, I think yeah. they're from Texas. But yeah. yeah, I don't remember for sure. But, oh, but they, Great band, though. All the gold in California. California. Yeah. We had guys, the, the Flat River Band on not too recent, recent uh, too very long ago was here in season three and they did us they did their version of i just wish you were someone i loved oh right yeah yeah yeah. and they got it to larry and larry goes i want to be in the video with you and so rudy and steve and and larry they all got in the video it was absolutely incredible that's that's great yeah so how old were the when you got the first guitar your first instrument it is yes do you play others as well i do i play some piano and i play some uh um um, digital drums, <laughs> <laughs> which you can't bass, tell the difference anymore. Well, I bass. mean, I, I produce demos for uh-huh. uh, other songwriters occasionally. And yeah. uh, all the things I write with these veterans, I end up doing the demo for uh, demonstration oh, nice. recording for those of you who aren't familiar yeah. familiar with the lingo. Yeah, uh, I demo all that stuff, and you know, I'll, so I'll they build have a little up. copy of it when they're done. Absolutely, that's awesome. Absolutely, and I put a lot of time. It takes me a day or two to do a demo. Oh, that's why they're not so cheap cool when I'm charging that. people for me. Now. But, so cool that you do that. That's amazing. But anyhow, it's um, yeah. uh, so my first instrument was definitely guitar, and I probably got my first one at about the age of three. Really? It was probably made out of cardboard, and as I recall, <laughs> I wound up getting some dirt on it in the front yard, and I put it in the washing machine without my mom seeing. <laughs> and uh, so that one disintegrated. But I guess I got my first real one when I was about eight or nine. Okay. Or nine, you know. Yeah. Pick it up right away? No. No. To tell you the truth, guitar, was it's been a lifelong project for me. Yeah, I mean, I, me I, once I got one and started taking lessons, yeah, I, I mm-hmm. eventually started figuring it out. But, um, um, it's not I mean, a, I remember having to conquer the bar chords, you know. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And all that stuff. You know? <laughs> We're trying to play an F chord, you know. Yeah, that's what uh, I just struggled for. And I was like crying, I'll never get this. Yeah. Yeah, until you get your fingers developed, I mean, it, it <laughs> yeah. can be it can be atrocious. It's it's not the easiest instrument to pick up. It, it really isn't. I think it's easy to get to like a C plus level. Uh, yeah, but you want to get better than that, you better. You just got to put some time in. Do have, just, so you got to love it, and if you love doing it, it's nothing but fun. You know, there's no replacement for that. You it's just not that easy to play, but it's the easiest one to carry where you go. <laughs> That's right. Unless <laughs> you're so violinist, true. of course. Yeah, except for yeah, and mandolin maybe too. So yeah, yeah I play a little bit of mandolin. Yeah, Do I'm you? Not, I'm not a mandolinist by yeah. any means, but I put it on demos occasionally. I can struggle <laughs> with it. It's tuned to fifths instead of fourths, like the guitar. You know, so awesome. there's that. <laughs> well, I want to talk about your career and your trip to Nashville and, and your exciting career and the, the great things that you did. But I'd love to hear another song. Uh, maybe you can uh, pick another one out. Yeah, I'll play do this. Uh, I had a, one of my biggest performance singles also, other than uh, Your Love Amazes Me, is the song Diamond Rio. I love this song, uh, by the way. 
recorded right that about that same year actually. Mm-hmm. So that was been about ninety four, which is a good year for me. Mm. Y'all know this song. I don't leave any room for doubt when it comes to you and me. You know all about the way I feel inside. You know how hard I try, but that don't mean that I can't love a little stronger, dig a little deeper, go a little farther. Anything to please you, girl Tonight I'm gonna start all over Show you go what's in my heart Ooh, gonna love a little stronger And I have just begun to show you that you mean everything to me. Yeah, I still feel the need to love a little stronger, dig a little deeper, go a little farther, anything to please you, girl. Tonight I'm gonna start all over Show you go what's in my heart Ooh, gonna love a little stronger No, not needed. <laughs> Fantastic. You know, uh, we were talking about 70s being the great uh, time for great music, uh, for pop music and rock. And I would think probably one of the greatest times in country music was the 90s. Uh, where that's country. Came out of, for country, country music. Especially, yeah. For country music. Because <clears throat> we were all rock stars then. I mean, and we were on the radio playing yeah. uh, this stuff. And, uh, you know... Um, it was an incredible time, and there's a resurgence of '90s country right now too. So, what does that tell you? You know, 
Uh, is there? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I've been oh, kind yeah. of out of the business for a while. I've been <laughs> keeping up with that. There's uh, 90s country like, parties and, you know, a lot of that you're hearing, uh, you know. Oh, country party. Not on yeah. radio necessarily. Uh, they're going back sometimes. and On know, the vintage channels. Yeah, yeah. On the vintage channels. Well, you know, one I was listening to uh, coming back from Gatlinburg was playing a lot. Peppering and a men, you know. So really? I'm uh, have yeah. to start paying more attention to my BMI stuff. I was going to say, you need to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a beautiful time, man. It really was. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of uh, pickers were yes. moving here from L.A. at the time and Memphis, too. A lot of buddies I knew back in Memphis became some of the mm-hmm. um, some of the top session players in town. You know, guys like Chad Cromwell and Greg Morrow and drums. Wow. Um, Mainly the drummers. Memphis has some great drummers. That's a great drummer. because of the beat that came up there, man. You know, all, oh, that, yeah. all that funky stuff they grew up with. Absolutely. But, um, yeah. but you know, uh, all kinds of players. You know, Dan Dugmore moved from L.A. where he played on all those Linda Ronstadt records. Wow. And, and um, um, so, yeah. you yeah. know, and, and it yeah. was a great time really was. for musicians in Nashville. It sure was. The, the, the and songwriters. Players, and songwriters. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I came up. I, I got my signed to my first deal in '89. My wife 89. and I, my wife and I moved here in '87, and uh, that's a good time. Yeah, it was perfect timing. You know, a large part of it was just my, as life in general is mm-hmm. is just pure luck <laughs> on my part because um, you know the the industry itself um, saw ten percent growth annually here all through the '90s. Wow. Every record label is having to start up. Um, sister labels just to hire new staff because they couldn't handle all the you know they all the artists they were trying to sign just to make more money they were printing it uh, <laughs> printing money printing money yeah. well guys like Garth Brooks back then could yeah. go to his label capital and yeah. keep keep at him until he eventually got yeah you know big, better deals than anybody had ever had he know? sure did didn't he? and yeah. um so um guys like alan jackson singing gone country everybody coming to Nashville. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah there, there were songs written about yeah. it it wasn't any big secret <laughs> yeah absolutely. and then you had also part of it i think at least for uh, you know was the fact that on pop radio at that time all you had basically was heavy metal mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of pop you know, 80s was a huge time for pop and MTV and everything. MTV, yeah. And 90s roll around, and you had, you know, you had, you had, uh, like grunge bands grunge starting, music, starting up, like, yeah, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, like the uh, West Coast scene in Seattle. But, uh, but by and large, in the South, all you could hear on pop radio at that time was heavy metal or rap. That's it. You know? Wow. And so people like me that grew up in the 60s and 70s and the 70s with a lot of that glorious country rock music starting out with like you know uh, poco which vince gill was a member of you know and uh flying burrito brothers um uh, pure prairie league and pure prairie league yeah yeah, 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 yeah. well i meant to say pure prairie league he was in pure prairie league not poco right yeah i always get that confused too yeah yeah Yeah. and uh but um and james taylor james uh, taylor that's uh, right dance uh um Rockabye Jackson Street. Brown and uh, That's right. Dan, oh, I'm spacing on Fogarty, Dan Fogarty. Dan Fogarty. Yeah, who I used to play Fogelberg. all those guys. Fogelberg, I'm Fogelberg. sorry. Yeah. I'm getting yeah. confused yeah. with John yeah. Fogarty. John Fogarty. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, the Eagles, right? Yeah. And the Eagles. Yeah, yeah of course, yeah. the Eagles. Yeah, one of my, that should have been number one yeah. out of my mouth was the Eagles. Yeah. And so Chase those go, yeah, yeah, those guys all love country music, you know, mm-hmm. and. And but they were rock as well, and so there was, that was a whole new you know. So that's kind of what '90s countries yeah. country was. It where was it came ex- from? Where yeah. it came from was an yeah. extenuation because yeah. a lot of those players moved there, and a lot of people like me grew up with the sen- that sensibility when it came to country music. You mm-hmm. know, absolutely. I mean, I heard like I say when I was growing up, you could hear anything on one station. I would hear 
um, pure country songs on radio all the time, you know, like D-I-V-O-R-C-A or D-I-V-O-R-C-E. Yeah. How do you spell that again? Or I never had one, thank God. But Or, you know, He Stopped Loving Her Today. You would hear, you know. Yeah. Songs like that, but Bobby Braddock, Bobby Braddock, oh, what, yeah. what a great guy, yeah. man! Yeah, didn't he write a tree? Didn't I? he did? Yeah. And you wrote a tree, didn't you? No, I'll tell no. you my tree connection. My mm-hmm. wife, um, she, when we first moved here from Memphis, and we moved here together before we were married, and uh, lived in sin for a couple of years, mm. but uh, we were we uh, she got. A job at you know I was in a band at the time with my good buddy Trey Bruce who I still write songs well, with. Trey Bruce, man. Trey yeah. Bruce. He was the drummer. And I, he was from Memphis. He grew up in Memphis, and his dad was Ed Bruce. Ed Bruce, yeah. But his dad had he didn't grow up with his dad. He grew up with his mom, and she was divorced. And he'd mar- Ed had married Patsy by this time. Okay. And they wrote co-wrote mm. things like "Always on a Always um, uh, Texas When I Die." Texas When I Die. Um, 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 Mamas don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, he wrote that. He yeah, yeah, that was true. Patsy wrote that. Yeah, Patsy <clears throat> yeah. was on that song too. Wow, it or not? Yeah. Mm. Now it's where. I, yeah, exactly. Wow. And so um, Trey Bruce too, the great producer and, and yeah, songwriter, and songwriter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Trey right. inspired me to write uh, to move over here. Did he? Okay. In the late '80s, we were in a band together, and mm-hmm. he had moved over here six months prior. He and his wife had a brand new baby, and I just came over to visit him one. He would come back to Memphis to play with our band on the weekends, right? Yeah. And I just came over here one weekend. We were off to write with him, and he took me for a drive down on Music Row, and this was like what nineteen eighty. Wow, that was my first trip to Nashville. It was quite different, wasn't it? It was definitely different, man. This Mm -hmm. was nineteen eighty-seven. Eighty-seven, okay. And um, we were riding around Music Row there, and he would say, "Yeah, there's 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 uh, CBS Records, you know. There's uh, there's RCA, man. There's where Elvis cut all those things. Mm -hmm. There's." uh, there's a picking parlor there. That's a publishing company. There's, uh, you know, there's all these everything. Closet Every house, Quasit yeah, Hut. Yeah. It was either a record label, a studio, yeah. or a publishing company. Right. Two whole blocks of it. The, what was United Artists? That big uh, octagonal building that was there for years. That was probably there, right? It, it probably was. Yeah, it was yeah. probably brand new at the time. Yeah. I don't remember. They've it. torn it down. Probably, yeah, I had actually owned this part on. Was part owner of the studio in that building. Were you in really? the late '90s? A bunch of us songwriters went in together on the studio. That's cool. But uh, but at any rate, I went back and told Becky, who we lived together in Memphis at the time, my wife. I said, "I'm moving to Nashville. Are you coming?" <laughs> <laughs> what she, she, she said, "She said, yeah, I go. Sure. I'm married to what I'm doing here in, in Memphis at the time. So although she had a great job, and did she? But okay. um, mm-hmm. so she moved. Over, we moved over there a month later. We moved in with Trey and his wife. We uh, actually we moved into an old farmhouse, 150 year old farmhouse that was right next door to Ed, Ed's farm. Wow. His dad Ed had a farm out there at the time. He divorced Patsy by this time, of course. Okay. Had married a beautiful lady, a wonderful lady named Judy. Mm-hmm. And but um, at any rate, we spent about a year on that farm, and then we moved into town. And she, my wife, through friends of Ed Bruce's, got a job as a receptionist at Tree International. Wow. Which in the eighties was Huge. still the largest independent publishing company in the world. Yeah, yeah. and uh, bar none. I, um, well, I, maybe that was country. I think so. Probably. I think it was largest independent yeah. country publisher. They eventually got bought out by CBS yeah. in the nineties, early nineties. This happened. Then CBS got bought out by uh, Sony. Sony, <laughs> and then they bought Sorry, Michael Jackson, and it became Sony ATV. <laughs> so it was a long history there, you know. Yeah. But I never wrote for Tree. I, I had a few single song contracts with them early in the day, which was what they call it when you just 
sign one song to them and they'll pitch it for you for like a year, 18 months. And then you, I get, get, it. It, you get it back unless they get it cut. You know? Yeah, single song contracts. Single songs. Right. And so I had a few of those, five or six songs, something like that. Mm-hmm. But I met a couple of guys there that were writing there. Um, and yes, you're right. Um, uh, Bobby Braddock was writing there at the time. So was Hank Cochran still writing there. Harlan mm-hmm. Howard was still writing Shirley there. Yeah. Uh, Gary Nicholson wrote oh. there at the time. Uh, that was Legendary. A, they had an incredible... Yeah. writer staff at that time man like don henry was there i think maybe mm. um but at any rate they had these guys uh ray kennedy and bobby david wrote there. ray kennedy yeah ray kennedy became a country artist i was gonna say i remember playing he had uh uh women gonna be the death of me but what a way to go that's a great yeah. show <laughs> it I was remember man that. he had yeah. another one another video called scars yeah. and uh, they wrote with don henry great song too wow. but anyway ray had a short-lived country career had a couple of hits but he was an incredible engineer producer and songwriter mm-hmm. and but when i first met those cats you know they they were bobby david was his best friend at the time and they wrote every day together almost mm-hmm. and so but they invited me to come over to their house and hang out because we still lived like an hour out of town and becky would come to town my wife mm-hmm. to write i mean to work at tree as a receptionist and then uh I wouldn't have anywhere to be, so they come over to the house and hang out and just write in one of my spare rooms. Wow. And Ray, I mean, Ray had his whole house at this time. He he was a bachelor. He had it he had it rigged. Uh, every every room had a had a microphone adapter coming out of the wall. You know? <laughs> I love it. And so they started writing with me. Yeah. And so I write songs with them, and by the end of the day, we'd have the demo done. Date Ray would have the he had one of those early Lynn drums. He'd have the whole demo done. By you the were end. so ahead of your time. I mean, that's <laughs> <laughs> well, I was fortunate that I met these kids. It took me under their wing, mm-hmm. and through songs I wrote with them, I was walking in the door to uh, uh, fully produced demos, ready to the guy that the guy that. Uh, Basically, he was running the creative department at, um, I'm spacing on Bob's last name. It's what happens when you get old, man. I know. <laughs> I got a song about it called Squirrel me. Train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come to me in a minute. Yeah. I walk into the, their plugger's <laughs> office down there. Mm-hmm. and um, Those are the guys, the pluggers, the guys and gals who will pitch the songs. Song pitchers, song yeah. pluggers. They try the to get them yeah. cut. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, you know, they basically, <clears throat> um, if you're young, they, they can help you tailor your song if you're young they can help you tailor your songs and things of that nature but generally these days they don't do anything but plug songs <laughs> yeah if they do that but uh in those days though anyway and uh, um uh, montgomery bob montgomery bob montgomery there he had is. a son named kevin montgomery who became a very successful pop songwriter really mm. but bob montgomery took me and kind of was taking me under his wing and he was saying yeah these are getting better chuck you know we, we might we're gonna sign you to a deal but they kept dragging her feet mm. dragging her feet and so eventually I was writing with a guy who was right, who was under Chuck, who was right, who we just signed a deal with Chuck Howard, who had Kinetic Diamond Music. Mm-hmm. And through him, Keith Follisay, who became a fabulous hit writer as well, he had uh, um, Barbecue Stain on a White T shirt. Uh, what was the Tim McGraw song? Tim McGraw, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he had a string of them, and uh, he and his wife, Adrian Follisay, had some hits together as well, like Martina McBride's. Uh, Oh, man. Love the way you love me, I think. Oh, but anyway, so they um, through him I got signed to a deal. Through well, actually I was talking to EMI at the time too, mm-hmm. and so I managed to be talking to both of them at the same time. And I had a con- contract on the table from EMI Publishing at the time, and uh, and they were great people. And you're, you're in town just a couple of years by then, right? Just a couple of years. Like I said, quickly, it right? was a beautiful time in Nashville, though. You, it was uh, back then. Were they talking about being a ten year town? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was hanging out with guys that had been writing songs. You know, I met Guy Clark at my first oh, EMI. Uh, you're kidding. I remember going to the, 
I was still thinking about signing at EMI. I remember what changed my mind. I'd been hanging out at Keith's Publishing Company, Kinetic Diamond, mm-hmm. which only had four writers signed right at the time. Wow. And I, I went to a party one night for um, every time they'd have the CMAs in town, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that if, if you, you know, the publishing houses would all have parties yeah. that people would go to after, or the people who weren't going to the show would just go and have a party yeah. and watch it on TV, right? Right, right. And I doubt they still do that, but <laughs> they did back then. And so I went to the EMI CMA party. Uh-huh. Uh, in the fall and I was about to sign that deal and, and beautiful people there don't get me wrong Mark Bright was a plugger there who became a f- Rascal Flash producer a very successful producer wow. uh, Robin um, Palmer was the other song plugger she was great and Celia Froehling or Celia Hill was running it at the time. So I had a great staff, but I was hanging out at this party and I was like hearing all these old songwriters gripe and complain <laughs> they were like man I you know uh, my my statements just ain't looking right, you know. I'm not getting what I'm supposed to be getting. You know, I, I didn't hear anybody a happy word out of anybody's mouth. <laughs> so I started looking around. I was like, you know, this I might not want to be here. Mm. It was the largest publishing company in the world at the time EMI was. Yeah, and who you know became EMI Capital was under that umbrella. So they had a lot of copyrights to keep up with. Mm-hmm. And there was this little bitty boutique company over here, Kinetic Diamond, that and was owned by four producers, basically. Isn't that something? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but was, lots of hits came out of there. Huh? A lot of hits during the 90s, man. They had yeah. Tom Shapiro signed. Oh, there's a songwriter. Right? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. More, I think he may be the... This, he may be a... Uh, Behind Craig Wiseman, I think he may be one step behind if he, he is on number oh, ones. Yeah. He's had uh, like upwards of 40, 50 number one songs in Crazy. his career. You know? yeah. Tom was there, Chris Waters. Mm. Uh, Chris Waters Dunn, who shortened it to Chris Waters. Holly Dunn's brother. He and Tom produced all of Holly Dunn's records. Wow. Um, Chris was a fabulous writer. Um, had a great run back in those days. And would you all write together? Yeah, we all yeah. did, man. Yeah. They all took me under their wing. Yeah. And then there was a guy named Rick Giles, who mm-hmm. was uh, a great writer as well. He had uh, some huge hits. He had Reba McIntyre's, uh, oh, what was her big hit about? Uh, um, Do you love me? Or uh, does yeah. he love you? Or No, no not that one. That was the duet with Linda, <laughs> with Linda Davis. Uh, but anyway, I forget yeah. the name of it, but it was big, big, you know, about a woman being on her own and making it and everything. Mm. But one of her biggest hits back yeah. then. And, um, uh, Anyhow, you had a Reba cut too, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, was, uh, I wrote it with Templeton Thompson. It was yeah. called uh, "Where You End and I Begin." It oh, was yeah. never a single, but no. it was on, on a record of hers in the nineties. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, I was fortunate to get songs on a lot of yeah. a lot of people's records back then. Pretty cool. Fortunate to meet Charlie Daniels in the mid nineties oh, through my publisher. They hooked oh, me up to Charlie, that. and I ended up writing all kinds of songs with Charlie. Yeah. I go out to his his place out in Mount Juliet, his farm. Yeah. He had a big. He had a nice studio and a. Mm-hmm building behind his behind his house out there and uh, the last record that he made for a major label which was capital he um which at the time uh, i'm thinking it was still jimmy bowen it was president who was of course at one point half owner of a uh, quarter owner of the company i was writing for mm-hmm. along with james stroud another <laughs> big huge producer and, and record guy back in those days and um, if you're Bill familiar, Ham, you need to Google some of these names that we're yeah, talking yeah. about. Yeah, Jimmy Bowen ran every record yeah. label in town, and Capital was the last one he ran. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that brought digital recording to Nashville. And that's something. From, wow. al- from analog. He's the one that started making everybody using di- digital tape. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yes. First guy to do it, and then it was no going back, you know. And then, of course, uh, and he was a producer as well as a right. record label executive. Was it Hank Jr.? I think. 
Was uh, he did some Hank Jr. stuff? Yeah. He did Frank Sinatra back in the sixties. Yeah. Strangers in the Night. That was a Jimmy Bowen record. Oh, really? And, uh, wow. When Jimmy was when Jimmy was uh, still uh, associated with uh, Great Cumberland, Hamstein, Kinetic mm-hmm. Diamond, which was the big co-venture I wrote for. Yeah. Um, he would have Christmas parties at his house, and at that date, still he would have armed guards at his door <laughs> because he'd been around uh you know he'd had a shot taken at him once or twice i think <laughs> oh. great guy though man he always oh, did most of his business at uh in the mornings on the golf course ah and wow. he was a waking baker like just like charlie dan i'm mean, not charlie daniels um, forgive me charlie <laughs> hadn't smoked pot since the 70s <laughs> I think. Yeah. but just like uh just like willie just like willie, willie nelson yeah yeah and uh, but the thing of it was, Jimmy Bowen could handle it. Yeah, nobody else could. He'd get him out on a golf course and get him high, and he'd uh, get the best deal he could. You know, unbelievable. But yeah. um, then you had uh, Bill Ham, of course, owned Hamstein, which was the money. He was the only guy that put any money into any of these wow. these companies. Bill Ham was the money guy. Money guy out of uh, he was in Austin at that time. He moved to Austin. Of course, he had Clint Black, oh, and of course, James Stroud was Clint Black's producer at the right. time. And uh, Clint, I mean. Uh, Bill Ham was was Clint Black's manager. Okay, but Clint, but Bill Ham also had all of Clint's production. I, I'm sorry, not production. Had his publishing. Okay, so uh, along with ZZ Top's publishing, Bill Ham was ZZ Top's road manager in the early days. That's Man, manager, tour manager, road manager. Wow. He became their all all time manager, publisher, and he produced those early records. Mm. On wow. So you know, I had these four producers, and Chuck Howard, whose dad was Chuck Howard Senior. Wrote always on a mountain when I fall from Earl Haggard. Oh, he was song. my hands-on publisher. At wow, Kinetic Diamond, crazy. So there was these other writers signed to Great Cumberland, and of course Ham had his thing down in Texas. He just fed the money to Nashville, <laughs> and Jimmy Bowen and James Stroud and Chuck Howard all crazy. benefited from that. You know, of course they did the hands-on work, but there was a period there, man, where we were um, uh, Chuck Howard's company, Kinetic Diamond. We were located at um, I think it was Ten Music Circle South. Okay. Right off of music, right off of Sixteenth Avenue. Oh wow! And uh, Ronnie Millsap's um, studio and publishing company was right next door to us, run by Rob Galbraith. Wow! And then James Stroud had an office in the back of Ten Music Circle South. So I'm, I'd be sitting on the second floor back there. We had the second floor uh, soundstage studio was on the first floor. Yeah, one of the big studios in town, owned by Ron Kerr, I think. And then so we, I'd be writing a song that day, and I had a little twelve track Akai. Uh-huh. Uh, they had back there that I got to record stuff on. I would put a song down on it at the end of the day. I could take it back. I could walk right across the <laughs> hall and play it for James Stroud. <laughs> or if he was downstairs cutting somebody like Kenny Rogers at the time, or oh, whoever man. he was cutting, I yeah. got to cut on Kenny Rogers like that one time. Did you? Down there and play yeah. for him, and they yeah. ended up recording it. Wow. And and then I had my first big song that I got recorded was um, Love Certified, which was a duet with... Um, Ronnie Millsap and Patty LaBelle. Wow. It was a big deal. They made a big deal, a much bigger deal than it should have been probably because it never became a hit. It no. wasn't released as a single, but uh. they made a big thing. Entertainment Tonight came to town. They had a party next door. I got to play an electric guitar on the record. Nice. Met Ronnie and worked with him on the record. Man, it was. Well, he had great and that was right next door to us. Yeah. You know, so I'd written the song, but somebody had run over there and played it for them. Rob Gomber said, We're going to cut that on. Originally, great. it was on hold for two years wow. for um, a, as a duet between Ronnie and Aretha Franklin. And they had different labels. They could never get together. And as it turned out, um, Ronnie, who was on Capitol, I believe, I, I believe uh, Patty LaBelle was as well. So they just brought Patty LaBelle in as opposed to Aretha. But wow. love, I always love, love Ronnie. Certi- love Certified. <laughs> love Certified. 
Ronnie, what a great guy. Oh, I mean, man, he was what a great to us radio people. Beautiful individual. So man. good. That yeah. was back when you, you, you couldn't be a country star without yeah. having a handful of talent. Man. That's right, man. That's absolutely true. <laughs> well, I owe my uh, my folks at Red Circle a little break here, but when we come back, can we play some more music? Absolutely. Man. Yeah, don't Look go forward away. to it. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Songwriter Connection, connecting with music makers and hearing their songs and stories. Now back to the show with your host, Dave Linehan. Incredible guest uh, on the show this week, Chuck Jones, and uh, thank you for for uh, driving from the other side of town, uh, Bellevue, to come here to Hermitage uh, oh, to man, sit around the day, table. Good and play. day for a ride. I could talk to you for hours. I mean, these are fascinating <laughs> stories. Well, man. sorry, I'm, I'm a little off. Uh, no, it's okay. Verbose today. No, no. I figure I'm, that's I'm, what you want. In you. I, I love hearing <laughs> the stories. Now you've got this uh, this great, um, and I spent some time on it the other day. Uh, it's easy to, to get lost in your uh, YouTube channel. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Man, yeah, and one of the things that that just amazes me. You've got a video on there that we have to talk about. Okay. And it's the one with the, it starts with John Berry, but you've got so many great artists like John Oates and uh, uh, Heidi Newfield. And of course, John's, John's wife, uh, Robin, Robin yeah, uh, yeah, on it too. Yeah. Lots of stars, but it's a very important song. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that and maybe you can enlighten us about it. Well, you know, absolutely. I love to talk about that. I, I, I need to clarify real quick, though. It's not actually on my YouTube channel. I wish it was. Oh, I thought I saw it there. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's on YouTube. Definitely. You know, it's one but, of those things oh, that you know when you start you did, one. You know what you did say? Oh, yeah. It'll, it'll go to the next <laughs> it goes, one. Right. Yeah. It goes to the next one. Right. What you will find on my YouTube channel, if okay. you go back three years, is a live version of the song that we played for a benefit for John Barry in 2019 or 18. I forget. I was at that benefit. Were you at that benefit? I was at was that Was that benefit. a show or whatever? That was an incredible show. A 30-something 90s artist showed up for John that night. And then Amazing. at the end of the night, Garth and Trisha was it? Garth and Trisha yeah. walked in unannounced. Yeah. 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 Unannounced. Did a set. Yeah. And so what a beautiful night. Clint Black was there. Travis what? Tritt. Oak Ridge uh, Heidi Boys. Newfeld, Oak Ridge Exiles. Boys. Exiles. Yeah. It was just one after another. It was incredible. Yeah. It was I actually had night. to rewrite the lyrics for that night. Because Did you? To take it away from being a flood song, a song about a flood, yeah. Yeah. to a song about just all come together for anything, you know, for right. to help a buddy. All and, come together. Uh, but I just, all I had to do was rewrite the first a few lines in the first verse, I think. Yeah. And we had that special version for that and at the end of the night we end of the night the the encore was everybody got back on stage yeah. all these artists that had hung out and uh, john called me up to come up and sing it with him and play acoustic with him on it uh-huh. and uh and somebody um uh, actually I, I recall i believe it if i, I gave uh, i handed my phone to joe diffie's ex-wife oh man <laughs> <laughs> and bless her heart, she's a beautiful girl. I can't remember her name at the moment, but and she filmed the whole thing from backstage. So you're looking at everybody's backs and butts. Uh. <laughs> but you know, and Vince is sitting on a stool at the side. He didn't get out until a certain yeah, point, you know. Yeah. But but it turned out great, man. Uh, John came uh, called me up one time. Um, let me see, when was this? Gosh, I don't have a date on this lyric here, but yeah, it was me, John, Robin, his wife, uh, Keb Mo made a, Keb uh, Moe's. made a, a yes. cameo. Colin Ray, John Colin Ray. John Oates of Holland Oates was mm-hmm. on it. K 
Casey James, an incredible blues guitarist and singer, you know. Uh, Brian White. Remember Brian, Brian White? White, country yeah. star, man? Yeah. Uh, B-R-Y, Brian uh, White. Not to be confused with the songwriter, Brian White. Exactly. Who's exactly. going to be on our show uh, coming up. So. Oh, yeah. I've written yeah. with him, too. Written with both guy. of them. Both great, great guys, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John Cowan, of course, was on a part of it. Uh, the New Grass Revival guy, singer. Nice. Um, Darren and Brooke Aldridge. Uh, I love them. I do too, man. Oh. Award-winning bluegrass uh, husband and wife. Been trying to get them on. We, they they they're so busy. But oh, I'm sure, man. They're tearing it up, up right now. Heidi Newfield of Trick Pony. Trick Pony. She was on it. Yeah. And she all she played the harmonica on it. Too. She's a great <laughs> She's heart player, man. She's incredible. Uh, Dave Ennis and Paul Gregg of Restless Heart. That's right, Restless Heart. Guys. We're in there, and uh, the, we've got a video on YouTube of it. Yeah. You know, that You've has all these artists out, on there too. Yeah. You have to. And and there's Mike and then Mike Ferris, uh, we got a picture of him in the video. He couldn't get any footage to us, but uh, you know, he's, he's on there too. A gospel what an amazing singer. voice, he incredible has. singer, man. Oh. He really is. Yeah. He also sang on that uh, Muscle Shoals uh, record that they produced uh, after the movie uh, with all these great Muscle Shoals songs. Is that right? Just tore it up. He's great. He's one of the best singers I've ever heard, man. Yeah. Kind of in that Russ Taff vein, you yeah. know. You really are. <laughs> yeah. you know, I remember he played at that event, uh, the John Berry uh, uh, benefit. And I think I, you're right. Yeah, he, came I remember him coming out. He goes, "None of you don't know me." I'm like, "I'm like, I know you." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm about that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Y'all don't know me, but I'm Mike yeah. Ferris. I'm like, "I know yeah. you." Sing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah man. He, what was a voice. On, he sang on it, oh. and, the, and that really cool R and B stuff at the end of the song. That's Mike Ferris. That's Mike Ferris. They show oh. his picture when he comes on. But now, this song is called uh, "All Come Together." All Come Together. And John called me up that year. This was the year I think it was 2017 when Hurricane Harvey, yes, Irma. And Maria all hit oh, right in a row. Man. And so John called me up. This was the week before Hurricane Harvey hit and said, Hey, man, you want to write a song with me for mine? I'm getting ready to make a new record. Mm-hmm. I said, Man, I'd love to. Uh, so he comes out to my house and uh, shows up on a Monday. And I had been sitting on TV all weekend long watching this footage of Hurricane Harvey mm-hmm. in, in Houston. And evidently, John had seen some of it, too. And so we started writing this song. Number one, he said, I want to write something that's got kind of an Al Green feel. I said, I love to do that. Man, you know Mm -hmm. me. I love that R&B stuff. So we had come up with all this stuff, uh, like a feel, before we started talking about ideas. And then, uh, um, so so we just started talking about all that footage we'd been watching. We were like, man, we got to write something that's about that. And so that's what we wound up doing. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, we ended up repurposing it a little bit a year or two later for John. He had cancer Mm -hmm. and he's doing great now. He is doing great. But, but had to repurpose it for that benefit that was called the all come together benefit for him. Mm -hmm. And then just recently, a couple of weeks ago, his manager, Brian Smith, great guy, um, calls me up and said, Hey, how about if we, Put this thing back out for the East Kentucky flood victims. Yeah. I said, "Man, you got you got my vote." Yeah. So he and John, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and Robin got into it, and and basically it's the same video that's out there, although they re-released the single to radio, trying to get some radio. That's great. And, uh, but anything that's made off of this thing, and I think the original version for Harvey and uh, for the Hurricanes was a. Uh, Samaritan's Purse was the donate donee at the end that you sent to. This one, I think it, it has just has um, language at the bottom that tells you where to send money to. To help them. And anything is made off of the song goes to these flood victims as well. Incredible. So, Incredible so anyway, it's uh, I guess you want, you want me to play I this would thing. I love to shut hear up you play Stop it. talking about uh-huh. it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the rains keep a coming, 
the flood waters up to the rafters And they're standing on the rooftops Praying for something that floats mm, Somebody tell me now Why does it always take Some kind of natural disaster For us to realize mm, We're all in the same boat Got me feeling hopeful There's gonna be a brighter tomorrow Well, no matter what your troubles The world's gonna keep on turning And come tomorrow morning The sun's coming up again But until it does, I'll make a promise to you I'll come running And do the best I can to lend you a helping hand When we all come together, that's how we weather the sorrow And it's got me feeling hopeful There's gonna be a brighter tomorrow Even when your faith is sinking One thing you can believe in When we all come together That's how we weather the sorrow And it's got me feeling hopeful There's gonna be a brighter tomorrow Yes it is When we all come together That's how we weather the sorrow Yeah And it's got me feeling hopeful There's gonna be a brighter tomorrow Gonna be a bride tomorrow, yeah. When we all come together, some coming up again, some coming up again, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That really is. <laughs> great job on that. Yeah. Well, I'm a little shaky today, but no, I appreciate you, man. Not at all. You're a great performer. And uh, so, as you can tell, we had what fourteen singers on that song? Unbelievable! So everybody gets like one or two lines a piece. Yeah, it's great. It's like a like a duet with fourteen people on you. Yeah, <laughs> you may be driving listening to this podcast now, but when you get a chance, just go to YouTube and look it up. It really is a cool video. It yeah, really it really is, is man. Yeah. You see all these people come, coming together, coming together for a great cause, <laughs> for a great cause, and nobody got paid. Yeah. Even the engineers, my buddy Derek George and awesome. Julian King, engineered the 
most of the project. There were a couple of outside studios that did it as well. The videographers all donated everything. Everything, huh? And they did a great job. I and mean, everybody involved just did a wonderful job. Just so, fantastic, yeah. Yeah, it was something else, man. I think I posted that on the Facebook page, folks. If you want to go to uh, Songwriter Connection Podcast, our page on Facebook. Because uh, John Berry is just releasing it again. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, this, uh, it's on my wall on my Facebook page, too. Okay. You can find all of my... You go to chuckjonesmusic.com. Okay. You can find all of my social media links right there on my homepage. Good. And please do that. And there's a picture of me and Vince right there on the homepage from that from that, from benefit, that, night? From that benefit. Yeah. Oh, my yeah, God. In the back, backstage in the green room. Yeah. Vince was great that night. He was, he's, I'll never forget Vince that. is always great. He's, he really is. <laughs> he had the crowd going. Yeah. No doubt, man. He had an embarrassing moment <laughs> that we talked about. That's right. That's show. right. That's right. I remember that. That was hilarious. Uh, yeah. They all had a laugh about it. They, they all did. Uh, it was John Barry's wife, Robin, was, was kind of talking in the audience. And uh, Vince didn't know who she was. He couldn't see. He got all the lights. Yeah, right you can't see who's talking and she keeps asking questions he's like sit down nobody paid money to see you and then you realize you're fucking around him, right? it's like, oh. oh my god I, I forgot about that um, yeah man. I'll that never forget funny. but Vince is such a great guy oh my god they all Everybody had a great was, laugh about it after they, the show they man. all did yeah. I'm sure yeah <laughs> that was a very special night indeed it really was man. this has been a very special day uh, oh, I want to thank you for coming I've enjoyed talking to you and your stories and I know we're just scratching the surface yeah you got a lot more stories in this we have to do this again maybe on down the line absolutely yeah absolutely you had a song on the nashville tv show i did and we loved that show my wife and i in fact to this day she's still in love with chip oh yeah charles Eston. charles Eston, great guy my my friend billy lee wrote uh, a song with charles called uh, the lost and found oh wow! and um, they played together at the listening room and he brought us back to the green room and and we met him and oh, yeah. so we got our pictures taken, and uh, it was me and Patty and, and Chip. And uh, Patty uh, cropped me out. <laughs> the camera Facebook profile page. Of course she did. Yeah, yeah I met Chip. Boy. He's a yeah. really nice, he, humble guy. Man. He, he guy. really is. And so talented. Does he have to be so darn good looking? I man? know, really, man. Really. <laughs> but anyway, uh, a lot of great songs in that show. And you you had one in that show. I right? did, man. We, uh, you know, I love that show, too. And mainly because, of course, it was kind of a soap opera. Yeah, it, but it was, was. But yeah. still, it was shot in our hometown. It was. To be able to tune in every week and see this hour-long drama yeah. that was shot in Nashville, you That's recognize right. all the settings, the scenes. You yes. know. They it actually had things. The it? Bluebird was a cafe, which I've been performing there for 30 years. We've now. talked about it, the Bluebird on this show, so yeah. yes. Uh, it, w- yeah. it was a regular character on this show. It was. They rebuilt a Bluebird set in a warehouse a mile from the Bluebird. Yeah. That they shot all this stuff. <laughs> it, it looked, looked just, just like it. it. Yeah. You couldn't ah. tell the difference. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, and people that were on there all the t- a lot were like oh, Pam Tillis. She's a good buddy of mine. I've written with Pam in the past. She was on wow. there occasionally. I see buddy like uh, Gary Nicholson was on there, oh, I think, a time or two. Um, and, of course, I had all these songwriter buddies who would get songs in there because all the songs came off of Music Row just about. Yeah. And I... Um, and and when you got a song on there, you really wanted to get one that you know. John, I remember my buddy Jeff Steele had a, he had a few on there probably, but same with Hillary Lindsay and folks like that. But big writers, yeah, big writers, and uh, he'd get one on there that would be maybe um, the first time it was on the show. It would show the songwriters in the writers' room writing the show, uh, writing the song, you know? yeah. and then and then next episode it would be on there again because it had gotten. Somebody was recording it. They were in the studio. Raina James was recording it in the studio or something. Yeah. Then they'd get three or four more viewings of it after, um, you know, it had become a hit and she'd be playing on tour, you know. Uh-huh. And so you could get three, four, five, six 
And, and that's like, you know, 18, well, about 3,600 bucks wow. all in for the song every it's time great. it appears on a major network like that. Wow. So, um, so you want the more you get it played, the more money you make. The more money you make. I was like, man, I just wish we could. Is that like sync deals? What What's they call that? The, the sync deals? Is that what they call those? Synchronization, synchronization deal, exactly. Deals. Yeah. It's when they sync, they synchronize, um, um, when they synchronize, um, songs to uh, film film and, and tv, yeah, film and and TV. by the way on an upcoming podcast we've got chantelle ogden ogden uh who is big into sync and she'll talk a lot we're going to get into sync deep awesome. here in a couple awesome. weeks so. yeah, I just, yeah i mean it's one of the few last great ways to, to make the money in, in song business yeah. yeah i know your uh, friend in mine bill o'hanlan does a lot with the bill with yeah bill who turned me yeah, on to you he's turned me on to great you. guy yeah. man yeah. great therapist uh, author book author and that's songwriter right. was on oprah <laughs> that's right yeah. Man, yeah. yeah what a great guy thanks bill yeah thanks bill. but uh but so, um, so I was like, me and my buddy Chuck Cannon, we've written a lot through the years. Chuck's Chuck. had some huge songs. You We're going to get him American Soldier. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, a bunch of Toby Keith stuff. But, but also, uh, Love the Way You Love Me with Victoria mm-hmm. Shaw. Anyway, yeah. we, we had written a song one night. I, me and Chuck, we would hook up at his place usually. He lives right around the block from me. Great. Um, out there in the Bellevue area, almost out to Pegram. And uh, so... Chuck's got a great studio on his property, and we usually go around. I usually go around there to write. He'll come to my house occasionally, but you know, we we usually hook up at night. I mean, back in the '90s, we'd hook up in the day, but mm-hmm. you know, lately, in the last twenty years, man, we're like, man, we're usually sleeping in. We're both late night guys, so instead yeah. of writing with coffee in our veins, we're writing with whiskey usually. You know, so <laughs> we'll pick up. You know, and Chuck has a, one of the best old Gibson vintage guitar collections yeah. in town. You know, Ray Kennedy's probably got the only guy to have more old vintage Gibsons than Chuck Cannon does. Wow. He collects them. And wow. uh, so he'd just gotten a new one in that day that he bought off of eBay, I think. And it was like a, you know, a 30s or 40s, um, probably an LG2, could have been a J45. or oh, you know, I've actually got an HG00 that he gave me that Gifted it to me 10 years ago. We, I was with him when he bought it 25 years ago at a guitar show here in town. He said, man, I never played this thing. You need to have this. You wanted it in the first place. And he wow. just gave it to me. Wow, what a guy. I mean, I've been fortunate in that way <laughs> in my life. But but at any rate, um, so we wrote this. You know, I picked up, I picked it up, and Chuck writes all his songs the last 20 years to this crazy open tuning. It's, he he tunes all the way down to B flat. I'm Does sorry, he? B. Key of B. B. Like an open B? Open B. Wow. And it's uh, open B with a ninth in there or something. It's, it's the Led Zeppelin Rain Man tuning oh, okay. with one difference. Huh. And uh, one different, I think, one notes. Of, I mean, he tunes up t- okay. Rain Man's Rain Song. Rain yeah, Song. Rain Song. song. Yeah. Rain song. Yeah. Except he got, tunes the low, the bottom E down a whole step further than that tuning. Wow. I don't know what it is. I'm not going to run it back. Hottie you keeping tune. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. amazing. Well, he tunes all his guitar. Get old Gibson's whole tuning down there really well. Yeah. But he's turning into a whole thing, you know, so... Um, I picked it up and it was tuned to his tuning. So you just tune an open chord, you know. It was like, you know, it was like, yeah, it's beautiful. I was like, man, this. I said, man, this old guitar, this old guitar. And he said, seen Dusty Rhodes and Smoky Bars. <laughs> we, we were sipping on some whiskey at the time. Seen Dusty Rhodes and Smoky Bars, and I, I and I went, the back seats are all my old cars. <laughs> And we were off and running, man. Yes, you and were. And so uh, we about two hours later, at the time, Willie Nelson was looking for a song. Mm-hmm. And I, we didn't know it at the time. I probably did. I'd just forgotten it, that Willie had already cut a song called This Old Guitar, I think. Yeah. Because he had one that he had for years that had a hole in it. Yeah. Trigger. And, uh, trigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, there's even a line in here about that. About so that. The whole time we were writing, I was going, This Old Guitar. <laughs> 
seen Dusty Rose or Smokey Bars. I was trying to do my best Willie Nelson impersonation. Yeah. But uh, I love it. So we did it. We recorded it. We did a demo at Chuck's studio. Yeah. Not long thereafter. And he was playing on boats at the time. He still does this. He tours with his own material. If you guys haven't heard Chuck Cannon stuff, he's got to go to his oh, website. He's got some great records. He does. And he's recorded through the years. And, and what a voice. Mm-hmm. Oh. When he was on one of these songwriter tours on a boat, cruise, songwriter cruise on a boat, uh, <clears throat> he ran into a Buddy Miller, you know, Buddy and Julie Buddy's, Miller fame. Yeah. Great American. And at man. that time, mm-hmm. yeah, one of the best songwriters around, man, and yeah. singer and guitar player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's played with Robert Plant. So, you yeah. know, he's got to have some bona fides. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, uh, Buddy, uh, Chuck, he heard Chuck play this song. He said, man, that might be something I could, I could use. He, Buddy was a, one of the music supervisors at the time oh, for the show it? Nashville. He okay. was. He was one of the music supervisors then. Great. And so Chuck said, man, I'll, I'll send it to you. Mm-hmm. And so he did and never heard back. He said, mm-hmm. man, I'm going to find a spot for you. So, you know, this was like the first season of ABC, on ABC of Nashville, you know. Right. And so five years go by. No. The very last season on ABC before they switched to CMT, you know. He, he sends Chuck an email said, man, I'm, we're cutting your song. He said, we're using your song. It's going to mm-hmm. be, you know, there's a new, a new, uh, a, a new uh, character on the show, Vita Martin, uh, who was going to be uh, – um, you know, um, Janine Goosen was the actress's name. Mm. And she played this character that was very short-lived. On This is tied back into what I started out talking about. Very short-lived. She was homeless. Right. But Raina, I remember her. Raina James gave her a record deal. Yeah. And she was just, you know, she was working at... Um, so talented. Working at Mark... Um, now, what's the... the Highway sixty five or something. No, what's the Maybe. early Mark? The Mark, what's his name? Was Mark Colley? Mark Colley, that's owned right. the bar in the show. The bar, remember, that's, that's he right. was a, a songwriter from Memphis that wound up moving over here a little earlier than I did and had that's a country right. career. Great song, song, country singer songwriter. Yeah, he is. So anyway, she was working in his bar as a waitress, and she was sleeping in her, in her car. I remember. Well, she had two weeks on the show, and our song got played when she was in. Uh, doing an audition for Raina at her label I to see. get the song on the show, and so uh, and then they kill her off, or she just disappeared. She just disappeared. She got killed. Yeah, by the Nashville Mafia, whatever that is. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we never got we never got the recording. Different from the music we never, mafia. <laughs> we never got her recording it in the studio or her playing it on tour. We never yeah. got the. We got one one performance off of it though, and I. That's I a great. You no, know, I'll take it. I take it as it comes. <laughs> So you want to hear the thing? I'd love to hear this song, man. This old guitar Seen dusty roads and smoky bars Back seats of all my old cars City lights Southern stars, this old guitar is told the truth, it's told some lies. Sometimes it sings, sometimes it cries. It's who I am, it's my disguise. This old guitar is just wood and strings and steel. This old guitar. Always knows just how I feel This old guitar Has seen its share of broken hearts 
It's got cracks and broken parts It's a symphony of scars This old guitar It's played for kings, it's played for paupers It's all the gold here in my coffers Still I can't give it all it offers This old guitar Hell, I've even gone and named it I have cursed and blessed and blamed it Still my fingers have not tamed it This old guitar It's just wood and strings and steel This old guitar Always knows just how I feel This old guitar Seen it share broken hearts It's got cracks and broken parts It's a symphony of scars This old guitar This old guitar Guess you could say we show our ages From all the songs and whiskey rages Crazy space stages, final pages This old guitar It's just wood and strings and steel This old guitar Always knows just how I feel This old guitar <laughs> Seen it share broken hearts It's got cracks and broken parts It's a symphony of scars This old guitar It's great. Chuck Jones. Almost made it through. Uh, I think he did well. <laughs> Crazy stages, final pages. That's Chuck Cannon's a huge he, for uh, perfect, uh, perfect rhymes. He likes the perfect he, rhymes. He, he, mm. he won't. He won't not use one. Ah, no kidding. <laughs> These in the last twenty years, every song he's written, written and, unbelievable. Know. He's a great writer. He is a great yeah, writer. He really is a great performer. When you see him, tell him hello. I will. We're going to schedule him on here. You got awesome. his numbers and stuff, and I've just been so awesome. Swamp yeah, this yeah, summer, man. but uh, he does a lot of touring by himself, he, and I know he's too. very busy. Yeah, yeah and mm-hmm. of course, you know, yeah, he's great, a great guy. guy. I've been a friend, of my good, my probably my closest friend for now or thirty years now. No kidding, yeah. Him and his wife Laurie, Laurie, Laurie died, yeah. And passed here about four or five years. Yeah, ago. so tragic. Yeah. yeah, she was a wonderful person. She was. <clears throat> I remember her saying, "It's Laurie. It rhymes with starry," and I never forgot that. She was just a yeah. wonderful person. Yeah, a lot of people would call Larry. Her dad's name was Larry, which is why they named her Laurie. Larry, yeah. She was a wonderful lady. She was. Beautiful man. gal. Yeah. She was in the movie Castaway. She was in the movie Castaway. She was the, the sculptor at the beginning. Yep. Yeah. Uh, had a mask on at the very end. She yep. pulled up in the truck. And That's right. Yep. Gave uh, Tom Hanks directions. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That was her. Yeah. So, so you and Chuck got together on that song. You had those, the first, those first two lines just kind of popped out. Just kind out. of popped out. How, how long did it take from there? Oh, we knocked that thing out that night. I think. That night? Before 4 a.m. We probably done it. Started out about 11 o'clock and finished at 3, 3.30 in the morning. Isn't it something? something? Wow. I love it when it happens like that. I really do. Yeah. 
Not always the case, but when it does, it's, it's not, magic. It's not. I mean, we may have gotten together again to brush it up some. I know we were mm-hmm. that the line about the, the verse about the play for kings and play for paupers. Of course, yeah. we were shooting for Willie Nelson still, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. All the gold here in my coffers. Yeah. I mean, that's paupers and coffers is not a perfect round. Not a perfect round. <laughs> but then we got gave. I, I still can't give it all it offers, you know. Yeah. But uh, but he was willing. You know, that's a hard one. And actually, they left that verse out on the Nashville recording. Did they? Of it. they yeah. did. Yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah. They rearranged it a little bit. Not a perfect rhyme. We'll take that one out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Well, poppers, coffers. It's yeah. A little, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a little Pretty close. Yeah. 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 It's a long song anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, we've talked for a long time. And you know what? And I could talk to you for hours. Same and, here. And, uh, been, been so we'll have fun. to have you back, you know. Um, Absolutely, man. Really get into the nuts and bolts and stuff. But uh, thank you so much for your time, for coming all this way. Well, thanks for the Man, I enjoyed it. I really well, did. Same here, Dave. I yeah. sure appreciate your podcast, man, too. Good, yeah. Great work you're doing. Keep it up. Man. Thank you. And great work you're doing, too, with the veterans and now oh, with the flood man. victims in, in, uh, in East in Kentucky. Kentucky, in Eastern yeah. Kentucky. You guys check out that all come together on the Please do. It's YouTube uh, for, um, yeah. for the Kentucky flood now. So yeah. there's a repurpose of it. And check out my YouTube channel. I'm Please putting, do. I'm, I'm about... Overdue for a new my new video up there. If you're a guitar player, especially, I got a lot of picker stuff up there. So. Yeah, you want to see that? He's got some good good tips for you there. Yeah, and licks, Shows. tips and licks, man. Tips, yeah. tips and licks. Yeah, there you go. Jack Jones has been our guest. Thank you for joining us on the Songwriter Connection podcast. My pleasure. Buddy. Thank you for listening to the Songwriter Connection podcast. Find us on social media at Songwriter Connection. Also, listen to Dave Lanahan's Nashville Connections radio show. It streams live every Friday morning on WOBL and WNOI. Look for us on Facebook and YouTube. See you next time on Songwriter Connection.